This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Iowa U.S. Senator Joni Ernst. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Farm Journal's Trust in Food. Trust in Food, sharing the message of conservation, sustainability, and stewardship, and launching America's Conservation Ag Movement July 26th in Washington, D.C. Learn more at trustinfood.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Senator Joni Ernst next. Join Farm Journal's Trust in Food this July 26th on the National Mall for the launch of America's Conservation Ag Movement. Learn how we're helping farmers and ranchers make more sustainable and profitable business decisions. Sign up at trustinfood.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. It took months for the Congress to approve $3 billion in disaster assistance for those states who suffered from hurricanes, wildfires, flooding, and other natural disasters. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst knows the importance of Washington helping those in need and fears it may not be enough. Well, I think it's a good start. Uh, A lot of the dollars passed in the disaster aid package will go not only to Iowa and the flooding, but across the Midwest, and then also some of the states that had natural disasters occur last year, too. So um, it's going to be spread pretty thin, and it's a good start, though. It is a good start. So we'll take what we can get now, but I do think it's an issue we'll have to come back and readdress in the future. Senator, with regard to the situation that farmers are in now with the the wet season, the delayed planting or the prevented planting, are there things you see the Department of Agriculture could do? Have you been in communication with Secretary Purdue about things that perhaps could be done to help farmers administratively through this period? Yes, and we we are in those discussions, and we've been in discussions with Senator Roberts as well. And so what we need to do is find a path forward. We don't want to reopen the farm bill, but we do want to find ways that we can bridge that gap for some of these farmers that won't see the same type of yields if they were able to plant and it's been dampened due to a, you know, no pun intended, but um, dampened by a wet season, maybe they weren't able to plant. We need to be able to find a path forward for them, and I know that the Secretary, Secretary Purdue, has been working heavily on this. Senator Grassley's talked about a need for bankruptcy reform. Is this because of an antiquated law, or is this anticipation of what might be needed? Well, I think because of what we feel right now, farmers in Iowa have the, they are feeling the pinch of low commodity prices, and of course we have these ongoing trade disputes and a lot of overall farm debt. So with the flooding on top of that, I think that now is the time to take a look at this. So, uh, you know, bankruptcy is always a last resort for our family farms, and people fight very hard before they get to that point. But I've joined uh, Senator Grassley in this effort and Senator Klobuchar and others. There's a bipartisan measure we have that will increase the eligibility to file and provide an opportunity to keep these farm operations going. Moving to trade, Ambassador Lighthizer spending time before uh, Senate Finance Committee and before the Ways and Means Committee. What have we learned after that communication, and do you think that we can advance uh, trade in both the USMCA and the upper chamber and the lower chamber, and what are the trade relationship with China? Well, we know that Ambassador Lighthizer um, has been very 
optimistic in having a number of those discussions here in Congress. So I feel pretty good about moving the USMCA. We just really need to push on Speaker Pelosi to get this over the finish line. There are so many of her members that in her own caucus that really, really want to see this done. This is a positive, not just for Iowa, where one in five jobs is tied to trade, but it is beneficial for the United States as a whole. So we want to see her move it. Um, There is a lot of pressure on her to move it. And we saw, of course, Mexico, they ratified it the other day. So uh, our turn, let's do it. Thinking then of the Democratic concern largely over labor and environmental issues, can you have sympathy for their position? And can those issues be addressed without having to reopen the trade agreement? Well, I think largely those issues were addressed within the trade agreement. We have, for the first time ever, have a trade agreement where in the base text, we are addressing environmental issues as well as labor issues. First time. Um, normally, that information will be found in an appendix somewhere. So we have really taken great strides with Mexico and Canada to make sure that we are meeting everyone's needs, but this should be of a, a great reassurance to the, some of the members of that far-left caucus that are very focused on the environment and labor issues. You know, if we don't have this deal, they have nothing. So I would say that this is a really, really great step forward for us. On the sidelines of the G20, President Trump and President Xi are set to have conversation. Uh, There are said to be negotiations that will be, or at least conversations, to be held uh, before the two of them meet. How has this lingering trade war affected Iowa, and what's been your counsel to the president? Well, it has been really tough. I mean, we just need to be honest about that, and farmers are feeling that pain. And so I do continually remind the the president that these tariffs are are hurting the American farmer. And, you know, we talk a lot, and and he does say, hey, Joni, I know you don't like the tariffs, but I'm a tariff guy. And it is a, a tool in his toolbox, and he is using those. Now, with China, I tend to agree. We have to get them to the table, and how do we do that? It's by putting this pressure on them. But uh, we need to see a trade deal soon. But, you know, in a, a recent discussion with a, a gentleman from Iowa who uh, does a lot of work with the American Soybean Association, uh, he had basically said that the pinch we are feeling from China and these trade deals, you know, ongoing right now is no different than the hurt we felt from China, say, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. China has been such a bad actor to our American farmer and rancher. So they get it. They say, you know, they don't under, the farmers don't understand though why someone didn't stand up for them before President Trump. Thinking then about the situation we're in, of course, last year without that MFP payment, farm income would have looked a lot different uh, than it did. And now the administration is talking about a second round. Is it needed? Is it enough? And uh, apparently there'll be a plan that will include a lot more commodities. Yeah, I think it is needed at this point because we don't see an end to the China trade deal 
anytime soon. So I think this is going to be an ongoing struggle, I think, for the American farmer. And so while the, the farmers prefer trade, not aid, if there is a way that we can help them through in the meantime, I, I think it's a good idea. Ranking member Stabenow questioned how the USDA through the CCC could afford the $16 billion price tag for the second round of MFP. Will Congress have to approve funds? Well, I think we will have to go back and address this. Uh, the president does state that we'll collect those dollars in revenue through increased tariffs on China. So we have yet to see how that is going to work out. Uh, but I do think that these discussions and, and the handling of those funds needs to go through Congress. Some of our competitor nations now are questioning this second round of trade assistance. Is this WTO compatible? Well, we certainly hope it is. Um, you know, I'm hoping that the administration has got the details worked out, and I know that Secretary Purdue has been, you know, involved in these discussions as well. So, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, again, we prefer trade, not aid. And the sooner we can wrap up some of these trade deals, I think the better off we will be. You worked awfully hard. Uh, there were a lot of your uh, your peers in Washington that worked awfully hard to lobby the administration uh, to come together for approval of allowing sales of E15 year-round. That's happened now. The president was in your state recently. What do you what do you say about this long road that finally has come to a conclusion, perhaps? Well, President Trump delivered on his promise, and this is a really, really big win for Iowa and our rural communities and and especially our corn growers and ethanol producers. So I think it's it's phenomenal. I'm very excited about it, and it has been a long road getting to this point. But working with a number of my colleagues and really putting that, that pressure on the administration to make sure it got done in time for the summer driving season was very important. So I, I'm just very, very thankful that the president was able to get this done and working in conjunction with the EPA. And, and now we are able to utilize E15 all year round. So our consumers will see difference in the prices at the pump, which is a really great thing. Anything that we can do to save some dollars and put more money in our families' pockets is a, is a good way forward. Is this an issue that will hold up in court, do you think? I do. Uh, I know the EPA took their time with this rule. They were very thoughtful about it, and I do think that it will withstand any challenge. One of the farmers who was on the program in Council Bluffs challenged the administration with regarding the waivers that have been offered for those small refineries. And even on this program, Administrator Andrew Wheeler admitted that, yes, there were gallons that, that were not blended, we didn't live up to the 15 billion gallon mark that's under the RFS. How do we handle these small refinery exemptions? Is that a legislative move or is that up to the administration? I think it is going to have to be a legislative move and that way it will withstand uh, challenges and, and uh, other considerations from other administrations. So I am working on bipartisan legislation right now with Senator Deb Fisher to address some of these issues head on. And it would provide more predictability and transparency for Iowans. We are very, very tired of 
the EPA's harmful habit of really handing out these small refinery waivers like candy. And they do it behind closed doors, and there is absolutely no congressional oversight. So we are hopeful that we can find a solution to that and stop, you know, so many of these waivers from going out the door. There are exemptions that are being given to what, you know, I would do air quotes right now, but uh, it would be small refineries that are, are owned by Exxon and Chevron, which are not typically known to be small refineries. So on this same program, uh, Mr. Wheeler discussed the fact that he's being sued because he did grant them and he's being sued because he didn't, but said he could not offer reallocation, for example, of the 1617 uh, exemptions that were in excess of 2.6 billion gallons. Well, and I would rather see all of those gallons reallocated. Of course, many of us feel that way. So the rule is out there, and uh, the RFS is out there to promote the use of biofuels. And that's not what is happening when these exemptions are going out the door, the waivers are going out the door, but they're not reallocating those gallons. How soon could you see that legislation move? Would it need a vehicle or could it go on its own? Well, I would love to see it move on its own, but we know typically here in the Senate we do need to find a moving vehicle. Um, and that actually may be the way we have to get it used or use it to get it passed because we do have a lot of folks that are not supporters of the RFS, uh, typically coming from those large oil-producing uh, states. The House Ways and Means Committee is working on some tax legislation that some see as a vehicle to return the biodiesel tax credit. Is there an opportunity that may come into the Senate? I think that is uh, one of the opportunities that we are looking at, and, and I do hope that it comes forward and passes. And, of course, it would be packaged with a number of other uh, tax bill fixes or other tax credits that need to be reauthorized. And so that would be a likely vehicle for us to look at. Looking at some of the issues that are ahead for you, child nutrition needs reauthorization. That will come through the Agriculture Committee. What do you see as the roadblocks or opportunities there? Well, I think it's moving a little slow right now, and that's okay. I know that Senator Roberts and, and Ranking Member Stabenow are taking a good look at this, making sure that everything is uh, the way it needs to be before it is reauthorized. I'm working on some of my own provisions that would allow greater variety in milk products that could be used for the child nutrition program. Uh, we want to allow 2% milk to be provided for those children. So there is some work ongoing, but uh, I do know this needs to be reauthorized. Does this come into the debate about the school lunch program and what has to be offered? Well, I think we can have all kinds of debate about that all day long and all all night long. Um, but at the you know, but at the, the end of the day, we really we really do need to make sure that we get this uh, reauthorized. 
Uh, I've been really critical of some of the pieces of the child nutrition program in the past because there are times it seems to promote more waste, and that is not what we want to see in the child nutrition program. We want to see our children finding foods that are not only nutritious but um, delicious as well. And so there's a, a balancing act there, and then making sure that the portion sizes are right, dependent upon the age and the activity levels of the children, has always been an issue. And this is one of the things that many of the school groups will ask if they're traveling to Washington, D.C., or if I'm meeting with them in the state of Iowa, they always point out the child nutrition program. And it typically is, you know, one of the senior boys that's maybe playing on the football team, and he'll be complaining that his portion is the same portion as a first grader's. So we've got to figure all this out. But, uh, again, at the end of the day, we do need to make sure that we are reauthorizing the child nutrition program. Another goal of the administration, and I have heard from also both sides of the aisle, has been for infrastructure legislation. The trouble is the price tag. But talk about the need, especially following the flooding, the natural disasters that we've seen. It seems to compound the need for some issues to be resolved. Yeah, absolutely it does. And I just had a group from Iowa in yesterday in my office, and we were talking about infrastructure and different ways that we need to fund infrastructure. So I don't see a a big, enormous bill uh, like what the president had maybe proposed two years ago, a trillion dollars in spending. I just don't see that happening, at least right now. But I do see that we can focus on different types of infrastructure. Um, with the highway reauthorization bill, I think that that is really important. And instead of just pack packaging a normal bill like we have done in the past, we could see a plussed up bill that would address more of those infrastructure issues. I could see something like that happening. So we have some work to do here in Congress, but uh, infrastructure is very, very important. And you're right, with the disasters that have happened and Jeepers, we're just getting uh, I-29 pieces of that opened up again. You know, we have a number of bridges and, and roads that were destroyed in the flooding. So all of this is compounding the need to really focus on infrastructure and get something moving. There's also on the docket the reauthorization of the CFTC. What do you see in that debate? Well, again, it's a debate that we will continue having. Um, we just need to make sure we've got the right people um, working on this. And, of course, Senator Grassley from Iowa has been a big part of those conversations as well. So uh, I, I can see things moving, but, of course, always, as it is a very partisan time, you know, it will just take careful thought, debate, and discussion to get all of this done. There's been a lot of consternation about build a wall, not build a wall, and certainly <laughs> Immigration issues have, have uh, surfaced more and more as late, but still, agriculture is in need of an adequate workforce, and a number of agriculture groups are saying that immigration reform, or at least a solid guest worker program, is critical for them. Is there a way forward in this, or does we just continue to kick the can? Well, I hope there is a path forward, and I have long been a proponent for modernizing our immigration system. So we have to separate the debates. Um, we have uh, what do we do about illegal immigration, but 
let's go ahead and start focusing on modernizing legal immigration. Now, I do believe, just as the president does, that we need to secure the border. If we're not securing the border, then we can't control the flow of illegal immigrants that are coming into the country. And then we really don't know if a legal immigration plan is working. So I do think we need to safeguard our country, control who is entering and exiting then, but we need to focus on these other programs as well, um, making sure that we do have the right number of guest worker visas, making sure that we are shortening or um, streamlining the process of uh, legal immigration. I've talked to so many families that have immigrated to the United States, um, and it has taken 10 to 12 years for them to get their citizenship, and, and it's just taking too long. That's too long, and these people are doing it the right way. So... I'm excited that the president is talking about immigration. He has proposed a system uh, that he would like to see. It is merit-based, so really those that are young and enthusiastic about being citizens of the United States or they're bringing a good skill, they want to be participating members of our communities, those are the types of citizens that we do want to see. Um, a lot of that is focused on more of, of the folks that would have hard trade skills or, you know, more professional skills, but we still do need folks that are at a, a beginning level when it comes to labor because we do need farm labor. We do need animal husbandry. We do need people working in those um, processing facilities. So I think we need a great variety of people coming into the United States. But key is, are they able to, to provide uh, for their families? Are they able to provide, of course, for our great United States of America by contributing in the way of work and uh, getting further education and so forth? Senator Ernst, we want to thank you for spending time with us here on this edition of Open Mike. You've been on the program before, and you know you have the last word on the day. Well, it is uh, great to be serving the great people of Iowa. I'm humbled and, and honored to be able to serve in this position. And I, I have really enjoyed the types of work I've been able to do, especially focusing on agriculture because it is so important, not only to my own family back home, but also very important to the people of Iowa. So as issues come up, I want to be at the forefront fighting for them. Our thanks to Iowa U.S. Senator Joni Ernst. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Farm Journal's Trust in Food. Trust in Food, sharing the message of conservation, sustainability, and stewardship. Learn more at trustinfood.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.